event horizon is defined as the theoretical boundary around a black hole beyond which no light or other radiation can escape. It's essentially a point of no return. And if that is the case, why did the ship Event Horizon return? And why would you even name a ship with that name yeah. and meaning? I actually had that in my notes. Oh, did about you? What Event Horizon is, yeah. <laughs> oh, shoot. I was um, just bringing yeah. up on Event Horizons today, and I'm just like, hey, that's kind of Yeah, it's kind of weird, though, that it's the point of no return, but yet the... Hey, let's talk about that in our Event Horizon podcast. Ooh, that's a great <laughs> idea. All right, well, are you ready to go? Yeah. Okay, well then, here we go in three, two, one. And now, Chuck and Ruff go to the movies. Hello everyone and welcome to another chilling and dimension-bending episode of Chuck and Ruff Go to the Movies. My name is Jeffrey Chuck Norris and I am joined as always by my brother Robert Ruff. Robert, how are you doing today? What's up? Oh, we're doing. We're doing. Day off, sure. so that was nice. Oh, lucky. Yeah. Did today and a- tomorrow, then go back on Friday for the weekend. Nice, nice. Did you have a fun Labor Day weekend? Uh, worked Saturday, Sunday, and Monday night. So, I guess I got paid. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Yeah, paychecks are nice. You know, such a shame that tomorrow, we have to though, uh, die for our paychecks. But yeah, all right. Tomorrow, I am going to watch Thor: Love and Thunder. It's coming out to uh, Disney ah, Plus tomorrow. Yes, tomorrow is Disney Plus Day. Disney Plus Day. Thor: Love and Thunder, and that weird-looking Pinocchio movie. Oh, that comes out tomorrow too. Yeah, I don't yeah. watch that. I, I might watch it tomorrow. And the well, new episode of uh, the Hulk, She Hulk, comes out tomorrow. Have you been watching that? No. Oh, it's not horrible. Robert, what name huh. the last Marvel TV show that I have actively I watched? Loki. Thank you. <laughs> I haven't watched like Moon Knight. I haven't watched anything. They're all pretty good. But I'm oh, yeah. en- I'm enjoying my current television watches that are probably even better. But, but we'll says we'll, who? Um. Well, I- I'd like to think <laughs> that Tolkien created a better world than Marvel ever will, and uh, uh, I really it, am enjoying it, the House of the Dragon. There's only two episodes out though, and there are two amazing episodes. Oh, they're good. I'll watch them. Yeah. Well, we'll talk about that here a little through. bit. <laughs> yeah. I got halfway through the new House of Dragon show today, but then I stopped and took a nap instead. Oh, man, you need to finish it. Yeah, I got 30 minutes left. I'll do it after we're done. There you go. All right, well, we'll talk about all that here in a moment. So we have a search and rescue movie to talk about today, but before we dive in, I have all the usual requests. Be sure to give the show a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That is the best way to keep up with everything that's happening on the show. Links to all our social medias can be found in our show notes. Rate and review the show wherever you are capable of doing so, and make sure you are subscribing to the show wherever you get your podcast from. Never... 
Oh, excuse me. Never miss an episode and encourage everyone you know to do the same. And now it is time to head to the theater for all of our pre-show entertainment. So, before we start talking about our mystery question and the movie that we've gathered to talk about, have there been any movies or TV shows that you have been watching that you would like to recommend? Uh, I finished Breaking Bad a couple of days ago, I guess last week. Um, did you ever watch that? So you saw Breaking Bad, right? Not the whole thing. I've seen like an episode here and an episode there. Okay. Well, they made a movie back in like 2019 called uh, El Camino. Yeah, I kind of remember Which that. Which basically, it takes place basically the minute Breaking Bad ends, and it just keeps the story going. And I, wa- I watched Breaking Bad a long time ago, eight years ago, I guess, and then the movie came out. So when I, when I watched the movie, I liked it, but I didn't remember everything that happened at the end of Breaking Bad. So this time, as soon as I, I watched the last episode, I watched El Camino, and... It's so much better to do it that way. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, wow, this is actually a fun movie now because I just watched Breaking Bad. It wasn't five years in between, you know? There you go. So, yeah. Nice. Um, So, yeah, did that. Uh, I watched The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Oh, yes. I saw that you were watching that on The Voodoo. Nicolas Cage playing Nicolas Cage. And it was... A lot funnier than I thought it was going to be. Pedro Pascal is hilarious in the movie. Oh, he's great in almost everything yeah. he does. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a fun movie. I'd watch it again. Okay. That's on my list of things um, to watch. I watched season two of Only Murders in the Building. Oh, stop. I, I got it. I'm so I watched far that behind. The other day. Uh, we touched on it a little bit. Rings of Power. Yes. Yes. I watched them both. I liked them. I enjoyed them. I'm not as big of a Lord of the Rings nerd as you are, but I still enjoy them. I thought it was, um, you know, it was, it was just so beautifully shot and so well done. And I love immersing back into the story where, yes, they are, they are kind of like giving you names and places that you people who may have only just like seen the movies would be familiar with or even if you've read the books you'd be familiar with uh and i like the fact that you know they're not focusing on those things except for gladriel and elrond um and uh, a few others to uh name off the top of my head but it's like whole new care not whole new characters but different characters different settings and stuff like that and that's what i think is nice it's not an actual like it's not a rehashing of what has happened before. It is, um, it is expanding this uh, already existing story, and it's. Uh, I, I just think it's very well done. I don't understand some of the critics out there who said that it's beautifully shot but lacks substance. I'm like, are, did we not watch the same episodes? I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was good. Uh, I did a rewatch of all four Indiana Jones movies, and then. I couldn't even really watch number four because it was just so freaking <laughs> so horrible. Bad. Every time, I, every time I watch it, man, I was just wa- so the guy that I was watching it with at work, he had never seen the fourth one, and I was like, "Dude, this is horrible. Um, CGI is horrible in it." Uh, and the every time the nuclear bomb, and you're just in a refrigerator. <laughs> yeah, he would not have lived. He would you're not in a refrigerator. Lived. He wouldn't lived. 
just being in the refrigerator, but of all the things, the refrigerator is the only thing that gets flown from the site that he just happens to be in. And then it hits so hard on the ground and then keeps rolling and jumping and rolling and hitting again. He would be dead from that, too. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. Steven it's, Spielberg cannot be proud of that film. And if he is, I, I need to question his sanity. Horrible. I really hope they, I mean, I don't know why they're making another one, but I better be better than four. Yeah, I hope so, too. Um, so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then, oh, I got two other, I didn't watch, I mean, nothing that I watched, but, um, did you hear that, uh, Taika Waititi's dropping out from Thor 5? Yeah, and I'm okay with it. I am too, but at the same time, so the movie didn't do as good as you thought it would be, so I'm just gonna, you know, quit. It is kind of childish, what, like, the reason yeah. he stated why he's walking away, but it's at the same time, I think he's, he's done enough for the franchise, it's time to let somebody else come in and uh, do their thing. Uh, I've heard Kevin Hart just said the same thing, too, because his new movie isn't doing well. It's like, oh, I'm just going to retire then. Good. What? Tired of because seeing you Kevin have one Hart bad pop movie? into every single movie. <laughs> like him and The Rock. Why are uh, you in every movie? They're like this yeah. generation Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> nice. Uh, and then I was thinking the other day, uh, because obviously they're going to come out with a new Bond eventually, and they're just going to have a new actor playing him. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, why not Henry Cavill? I think he'd be good as a Bond. Yeah, but I'm in the like I'm in the Idris Elba camp. I'd like he's him too to old. Bond. I think I think he's too old. I like him, but I think he's too old oh. to start the role because you, that's a role you're going to be in for the next ten years. Maybe. I mean, it's not unheard of. There's a precedent set to where. You don't have to have multi-year bond. I mean, uh, it's happened in the past. I know you don't have to, but that's what they want. They want one actor to at least be in three or four movies. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny you say that because I always, for some reason, it's in my head that Henry Cavill is much older than he actually is. He's actually my age, and it just, like, freaks me out. Yeah, he'd be a per- he's young enough to do it. He'd be perfect. Yeah. He's got the, he's got the, the look. He's got muscular physique. I think he'd be good if i were him i'd be burnt out on franchises after dealing with dc and then you know being busy with um the witcher and stuff like that so i don't know if he would even consider well, I'm, I'm not saying he's gonna do it yeah i mean no no but i going I, on right now yeah i know what you're saying though and i hear he's gonna be making a appearance in marvel soon i heard that rumor too so yeah um yeah i guess that's all i got Noise, noise. Um, I started rewatching The Kingsman, you know, the first movie. And uh, we got to the part where the church scene was about to happen. And then all of a sudden, Karen's like, okay, I'm tired. Let's turn this off. And I'm just like, come on, this is the best part. We never haven't gotten back to it since. But it is such a fantastic movie. I do like that movie. I even like the sequel. They're very, they're very fun movies. I haven't seen the new one yet. Oh, the prequel? Yeah, yeah, I liked it. It's all right. So here's my warning going into that movie. Everything you like about Kingsman and its sequel, try not to have too high of expectations in that type of storytelling in this prequel movie. That's all I'm got to say. 
Fair enough. But it's still a good movie. Um, we talked about it, Rings of Power, of course, being 100% caught up on The House of the Dragon. Uh, love this show. This last episode was even better than the one before it, which was even better than the one before it. They did a they did a time jump, as you've already noted, probably. Yeah, I noted. Yeah, I noticed. Yeah, that, yeah. Um, and it's apparently not going to be the only time jump they do in this season. Yeah, so I'm a little some, worried yeah. about that. Like they're that they're. I just going hope they explain two... it like, and they don't do it like they did in The Witcher. Where all of a sudden, hey, I haven't seen you in five years when they were just in a scene together in the last episode. Yeah, yeah. You know, just do it right because it's, it's a little bothersome that three episodes into the very first season, we've already done a major time jump, two years. And, yeah. You know, that that's huge. And they're talking about doing more time jumps in the same season. I just don't want them to be fast forwarding through this story more than they absolutely have to. So uh, especially since they've already, you know greenlit a second season and we know this is going to be around for a while so slow down pump the brakes let's actually enjoy telling the story guys let's not rush it yet um and then the last thing on my list is i finally sat down and watched jurassic world dominion and? because you were nice enough to put it on voodoo and i watched the extended edition for the first time not the theatrical i haven't done that oh okay so I've heard so many people complain about this movie, uh, you know, how it's not really well done and things like that. It felt kind of pieced together. Like, so obviously I think watching the extended edition is a completely different experience. I thought, I thought it was a fun movie. I really did. I liked it. I liked it. I actually it. saw it twice in the theater. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not because I, I was that good, but I enjoyed the movie. My, my two chief complaints probably about the whole movie is that there was a lot of cheesy dialogue in it so yes the script wasn't exactly the greatest when it came to dialogue and then also they spent a little too much time pandering to the fans as far as like bringing back the original cast members and stuff like that uh other than that i thought of it as again it was a very enjoyable movie to watch i enjoyed all the dinosaur sequences how many times can uh one of the main characters have a T-Rex or another dinosaur in their face and live to tell the tale. It's happened too many times in this franchise, so it's a little yeah. unrealistic, but we're also talking about a movie did where you... a world where dinosaurs exist. And, you right. know, did I what? Did you realize who that guy was that owned the... Dachshund! Um, what, what was it? Yeah. Dachshund! We got Dachshund here! here. Yes. Uh, I, I told my as... buddy that after the movie, and he's like... Really? I was like, yeah. These, I remember his name being Dodson because Dodson, we got Dodson here. That's the only reason why I remember his name. As soon as Malcolm said it, like in the way he did, it struck me and I'm just like, Dodson, <gasps> no, it can't be. They can't be talking about the same person. And then later you see the Barbasol. No, it was a different actor playing him, though. It, it was, but it's the same character. Yeah. And you, later you see the Barbasol can and you're just like, ho, 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 yeah. it's Dodson. Which also. How did he get it? Where do they find that Barbasol can? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a whole, it's, it's, it's under mud mm -hmm. on a huge island, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> so he's not just walking by and go, oh, look, a Barbasol can. Doo -doo. Yeah. Did, did, he, did he go to no. the island and go digging for it? I mean, there, there yeah. are little and things like for, that. And even if you go to the island and go digging for it, it's like finding a needle in a haystack. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't have known where to look or anything like that because exactly. nobody happened uh, knows what happened to uh, Unless, what's his face. Well, okay, I guess uh, Nedra's vehicle was still there though. 
at that spot and his his probably his bones. Do you think maybe the embryos had some sort of tracking devices too? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe we're answering the hard hitting questions here. Yeah, it might be in the can. Maybe. But Mm. still, I enjoyed it. Oh, and the other thing I didn't like about it was um uh the locusts. That like that was creepy. Yeah, that was a little much. It was a little much, it, and it was definitely a political statement. And it's like, can they make a movie nowadays without like bombarding us with political statements? Probably not. I don't think they can either. It's kind of sad. But uh, that is all I have yeah. been uh, watching. So I guess it's time to move on to game time. So. You have volunteered to provide us with today's mystery question. So, of all every space movie and spaceships, which is your favorite? Oh God, that's that's tough, dude. Um, <laughs> space movies, spaceships. I mean, like, come on. You've got Star Wars, where you have the Millennium Falcon. You have Star Trek with all the different versions of the Enterprises. I mean, all the versions of the Enterprises are just so awesome. Um, You've got this movie where I think the Event Horizon is a very fascinating ship. I actually plan on talking about that here in a little bit. Uh, What is my favorite? Okay. I got it. You got it? Spaceballs. Spaceballs? Spaceball one that turns into the vacuum cleaner. Uh, (laughs) Not the the Winnebago? Uh, The Winnebago's cool, but I mean, come on. What other spacecraft turns into a vacuum cleaner? (laughs) I'm I'm just saying. Sucks all the air out of the planet. (laughs) All the breathable air. Um, Okay, that was my joke answer. I don't know, Robert. Um, if I really, really, really had to choose, I would have to choose the Enterprise, but do not expect me to sit down and narrow down which version of the Enterprise I like. One thing that bugged me about the new Star Trek movies is, of course, the Enterprise was more modernized. Of course. But it's supposed to be when Kirk and them were younger, so why was it modernized when they were younger and as they got older, technology went downhill? Mm, you can attribute that to that is one thing I did like about the new Star Trek Star Wars movies. They didn't try to modernize all the technology; they left it how it looked in the original films. You know, yeah, unlike you know one, two, and three, where technology seemed to be thriving. I guess before the exactly. Empire yeah. took over. Um, I think the answer to that question, and this is just me reaching here, is that because. They created a whole new timeline. One could argue that in that particular timeline, technology was far more advanced than in the original timeline for any number of reasons. Uh, Again, I'm just reaching here. But yeah, I get what you're saying is how can how can you technically be doing something that took place before an already established story? where everything is far more advanced and then all of a sudden nothing is advanced, you know? But that's also the dangers of telling stories across decades of time where, in reality, technology is changing and things like that. So 
Well, I get that. Yeah. If, if technology changes with the uh, with the show going forward, that's fine. But you can't backtrack and have better technology than you did in the no, 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 no. No, what I'm saying is, is like there's a difference between making a Star Trek movie in the 1980s versus a Star Trek movie well, in the right. 2010s. You know, filmmakers are going to lean towards something that's a little bit more technolo- technologically advanced and more pleasing to the eye on screen. Nobody wants to watch a CRT monitor in, you know, 2022, you know? Word. Word. Well, what's your answer to this question? Serenity. Ah, I should have From guessed Firefly. you were going to do that. Should've it's guessed. a good ship. They spend most of their time on that ship, so you get to see, like, every aspect of that ship. It's a cool ship. It is a pretty neat ship, from what I saw of it. Still haven't made it past episode two. I'm sorry, I can't get into it. I really can't. I tried, tried, okay? Hey, I gave you Game of Thrones. You need to calm down, all right? I gave you Game of Thrones, and I gave you three and a half seasons of The Walking Dead, all right? I tried. (laughs) Fine. Fine. Uh, Fine. All right, well then... Speaking of spaceships, let's board the Lewis and Clark, learn about gravity drives, and go where no other has gone before in our discussion of Event Horizon. The ship brought me back. I told you she won't let me leave. She won't let anyone leave. Did you really think you could destroy this ship? She's defied space and time. She's been to a place you couldn't possibly imagine. And now... Time to go back. I know. To hell. You know nothing. Hell is only a word. The reality is much, much worse. So, a quick synopsis of the film before we really get started here. Sometime after he decided that dinosaurs being alive again was not as fun as it sounded, Sam Neill heads to space to assist a rescue and salvage crew in locating the and saving a lost ship, the Event Horizon. Once there, the sinister, sinister nature of the ship's disappearance and reappearance becomes more prevalent as the crew unlocks its mysteries. Visions, horror, and unscrambled footage of the former crew lead to chaos and turmoil. Will the ship let this new crew leave, or are they always stuck in this space hell? Some fun movie facts about this movie. The movie was released on August 15th of 1997. It had an estimated budget of $60 million and grossed $9.5 million on opening weekend and a total of $26.7 million globally during its run. So, this movie flopped. It's more of a cult classic now, though. Absolutely. Absolutely. But the cult community rallied. And over the last 25 years, it has become one of those phenomenons that has shaped not only science fiction, but sci-fi horror as well. So I got this question, and I think I've asked this to you before. Is there such a genre as sci-fi horror? Or are we just trying to cross two genres together unnecessarily? So would you call Event Horizon a sci-fi oh, horror trying film? To- I don't think it's unnecessarily trying to put genres together. You can have a horror film set in any genre. But do you call it a horror film? Do you call it a sci-fi film? Or do you blend the names sci-fi horror? I... Yeah. 
I guess you blend the names, but I, I see it more of a sci-fi film than a horror film. What about Alien? But I see that more of a sci-fi film, too. An action okay, good. Film. I don't think it's a horror I, film. I consider it an action movie. Well, Aliens is definitely so. an action movie. Alien? Yeah, I guess more, yeah. It's a little bit more dramatic. I don't, but... I've, never, I just, I've never thought about it as a horror movie before. Yeah, neither have I, but people consider it a horror movie. Sunshine. Have you ever seen Sunshine? No, but I've heard that it's a good movie. I, a phenomenal I've been meaning movie. to watch it. Phenomenal movie. Uh, I, I throw that into the same category here as Event Horizon. So it's got some like thriller horror elements to it, but it is mainly a sci-fi film. It, just like this one. It's got, a, it's got horror elements to it, but it's mainly a sci-fi film. That's all I had on <laughs> little tangent there uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. It carries a critic score of 30% and it carries an audience score of 61%. And I'm going to be really honest here. This I don't understand. I don't the understand. 30%? Yeah, the 30%, the 61% I, I'm willing to accept, you know, again, cult classics, you know, you got to be a part of the cult to understand it. But, man, the critics just absolutely despised this movie. And I really, I really don't know why. Uh, honestly, it's not really one of my favorites. <laughs> I know. It's a weird movie. It's one of my favorites. I was favorites. watching it yesterday, and I was like, this is a weird movie. But it's it's so much fun. It really is so much fun. But here's what some critics had to say about it. Jonathan Rosenbaum. Two words. The pits. Kind of dramatic there, Jonathan. Uh, Ryan Gilby said, A loud and nasty hunk of science fiction horror. Ah, haha, science fiction horror. So I guess it is. A yeah, thing. I saw that. Um, Bob Thomas climax follows climax until the weary viewer wants to cry stop already um, Kenneth Turan director Anderson gets points for skillfully choreographing all of this but he loses them for a consistent desire to brutalize the audience I don't think it was that bad um, <laughs> this one made me laugh Paul uh, Tatara don't worry, it's not you. It really doesn't make any sense. Um, I think it. Nice. I, I don't know why it doesn't make any sense. Sure, some of the science isn't sound, but for the most part, the movie does have a pretty consistent flow. Um, and then finally, the last one I have written down here is uh, Roger Ebert. It's all style, climax, and uh, I'm sorry, can't read my own handwriting here. It's all style, climax, and special effects. The rules change with every scene, and he gave it a two out of four. And again, I guess I just I don't see it done that way. But I also have a I guess a blind spot for this movie, so I don't know. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. Do you have any uh Do you have any reviews you, you would like to? You yeah, actually read review? all the ones that I wrote down. Oh shit! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> just kind of stealing that, the thunder here, aren't I? Right. Jeez. Um. Well, this film was selected for discussion by me. Obviously, I've talked about it already. I love this movie so much. This is easily one of my top three favorite favorite movies of all time. 
And um, I don't know what that says about me, especially when you see how critically panned it was, like we just discussed. But I can't help it. It's got a great cast. It's got an interesting story. It takes place in space. Uh, and it has moments that scares you. I mean, what more do you want? It's just a fun movie to watch. Fair enough. How about you? I mean, you said it's not your favorite movie, you know, and whatnot. But uh, is there anything about the movie that was compelling to you? Uh, I like science fiction movies, so I like space movies. I like Sam Neill. Sam Neill's nice. Yeah. So, I mean, I've seen the movie before. It's just been years. I've only, uh, but it's not one of my favorites. It's a good movie. I, it's a weird movie. Um, it's not one that I just sit and go, hey, I want to watch Event Horizon. But <laughs> and see, it, obviously, that... obviously, if I haven't seen it in like eight years, that's not one of my go-to movies. <laughs> And that that's like the complete opposite of me because like once every two or three months I'm just like, oh, I need to sit down and watch Event Horizon. That's how much I really like this movie. I Fair That's enough. why I say it's like right up there with my, in my top three movies because it's one of the movies I will consistently, consistently watch. You know, Ocean's Eleven, Apollo 13, Event Horizon. And those are the three movies that I constantly, no matter what, I will cycle through at least once every two to three months. And uh, yeah. Let's talk some cast and the director of this film. So the cast made up of Lawrence Fishburne as Captain Miller. Uh, I think this is our first Lawrence Fishburne film. I think so. Um, he's been in 133 things. That's movies, crazy. On TV shows and whatever. Um, yeah. Of course, probably most famous for the, the Matrix franchise. Yeah, most people like our age, I think, would probably recognize him from that. Did you know that he actually did a couple episodes of Pee Wee Herman's Playhouse or whatever the hell yeah. it's called? <laughs> yep. Um, he was. He's also been in the MCU. Yeah, he was in the what Ant Man Wasp movie, <laughs> right? At this point, yeah, seriously. Shoot. Sam uh, Neil has too. Yes, he has. Yes, he has. Speaking of Thor, he played Odin. Yeah, in a play, fake Odin. Play Odin. Fake Odin. Fake Odin. <laughs> I love that. You know, I love the fact that they got Sam Neill to come and do fake Odin. You got Matt Damon playing, you know, fake yeah. Loki. Uh, you have one of the Hemsworth brothers playing fake Thor. Um, I'm not a huge fan of her personally, but Melissa McCarthy as Hela in this last movie was absolutely hysterical. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, see, I knew that was coming too, and I hated that I knew that. Stupid internet. Yeah, stupid internet. Well, I mean, they yeah, they were real quick to leak that everything. kind of information. Yeah, like can can we just leave surprises? I agree with you. We've talked about this before. Maybe maybe they should stop making previews for movies. Yeah, seriously. I mean, make previews to things that you know nothing about. But everybody knows about the MCU. We don't need to see a preview and have everything spoiled for us. Yeah, just take five seconds. You don't, I don't need to see a preview say, of a new Thor movie. I'm going to go see it either way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> five seconds, black screen, throw the title screen up and say, you know, Thor, Love and Thunder coming July. Done. Probably save you money, too. Oh, yeah. And having to put a preview together and put it on TV and all that. Crap. But it's all about the previews. You know, they always talk about, you know, the preview numbers that uh, people... You know, the amount of, like, this preview broke records in the first 24 hours it was released. That's how many people wanted to see the preview Cheers. of this movie. You know, do you remember 
back in the craze of um star wars episode seven the force awakens like everybody was waiting like tooth and like biting like fighting tooth and nail to get a chance to watch this trailer and going looking back at it now it really wasn't that great of a preview i didn't even want to watch it because again don't like things being spoiled and blah 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 I mean, all all you got in that original preview was the Millennium Falcon flying around over sand, and that was just like, okay, cool. So the Millennium Falcon's back. That's all you're gonna give us. <laughs> cool, yeah. and that's what broke preview records back in 2015 or 2014, whenever the preview came out. Anyway, Lawrence Fishburne. Anything else about Lawrence Fishburne before we move on? Uh he changes the name from Larry to Lawrence in his films. He used to be known as Larry Fishburne. Now think, it's Lawrence Fishburne. I think Lawrence sounds more distinguished. Yeah. Uh, in this movie, cool. actually, uh, I'm sure you, you've heard, but this, the spacesuits weighed like 65 pounds. I did hear about were, that. Yeah, they're really heavy. And Anyways, he named his spacesuit Doris. <laughs> Doris. I wonder why. Uh, and apparently he often gets mistaken for Samuel L. Jackson and vice versa. According to Jackson, they have stood right next to each other and people still call them the wrong names. I don't see it. See, I don't think they look alike, though. No, they don't. I, I don't see that at all. Yeah. Weird. It's kind of like people who get... Uh, have you uh, seen the where people get Daniel Radcliffe and Elijah Wood mixed up? I can see that more. A little bit, but uh, come on, they they look different. Yeah, well, it's not like Kira Knightley here, uh, and Natalie Portman. I have a buddy that we uh he everybody thinks we're brothers. People even ask us if we're twins. We both same builds with beard with dark beards and always wear hats. So even last night, uh, uh, him and another buddy were at a bar a week ago, and I went to that bar yesterday and um. My buddy showed up, and he, the bartender was the one, say, one of the bartenders on them last week, and she, she was asking me questions about Cowboys Dance Hall, which uh, the guy, John, who looks like me, works at, and I was like, I, I don't know. She goes, oh, I thought you were that guy from last week. Nope, not me. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, we like, we're all the time, we always get, hey, are y'all brothers? Are y'all twins? We get that all the time. And so um, <laughs> we were in Vegas back in March, and he's walking down, we're walking down the strip, and he uh, pulls up his phone, and he goes, ah, when he looked at his phone, I'm like, what? He goes... Oh, I had my camera on. It was looking right at me. I was like, oh, I make that face every time I see you, too. And he goes, yeah, but you look like me. I was like, ah, oh, touche. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Uh, but anyways. Well, I don't think he looks oh, like Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, yeah. Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah. No. no. Cool. No. Anyway. Um, <laughs> funny thing though. All right, going back to look, uh, actor lookalikes. So I watched this really funny video earlier today. Um, they were talking about all these, uh, actors who, uh, look similar. You know, they talked about Kieran Knightley, Natalie Portman. Uh, they mentioned a couple other people that, um, look similar and like, they like divide the faces in half. And when you put the two halves together, it's almost like seeing the same complete face. And, uh, they're like, and did you know that uh, John Krasinski had a lookalike too? And then <laughs> uh, they pulled up what's his face, um, the Asian actor 
who uh, impersonated him in the office. Yeah. <laughs> and they cut the faces in half and put them together. It looked like something from a nightmare, but it was absolutely hilarious. Nice. Uh, I just yeah. pulled up uh, 20 most unbelievable male and female Hollywood celebrity lookalikes. Ooh. Who's on the list? R- Rihanna and Priscilla Patrice. I have no idea who she is. No idea. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Uh, let's see. Stupid ads. It says Angelina Jolie and Chelsea. I don't know who Chelsea is, but she looks just like Angelina Jolie. Okay. Who's Chelsea? Chelsea Marr? I have no idea who that is. Mm. She Oh, she's an Instagram person. Oh. It's so weird that you can make millions of dollars on. She has a $15 million net worth, and she's just an Instagram person. That yeah. is crazy. Influencers. It's uh, yeah, influencer or whatever you could call them. I don't know if I believe uh, uh, this one doesn't. Uh, Matt Damon and Mark Wahlberg. I've heard people make that comparison before, and I don't see it. Leonardo DiCaprio and Conard Andrud, whatever his name what? is. Well, he does kind of look like a young Leonardo DiCaprio. I have no idea who this guy is either. Oh, he's a bartender. Of course, we all... He's a 21-year-old bartender. Gotcha. Of course, we all should know who he is. Of course. <laughs> I thought he said celebrity lookalikes, not Yeah, bartenders. seriously, yeah. Are we supposed to know who this, who these people are? Uh, it, we, says, it says in real life and on Instagram, people usually compliment him that he is a celebrity doppelganger. But nobody knows who this guy is. It's so stupid. <laughs> yeah, who wrote this article? Uh, who knows? Katy Perry and Zoe Deschanel. Well, yeah, that's a common one. I literally thought they were the same person for the longest time and that <laughs> she was lying. Selena Gomez and Lucy Hale. No. Kate Middleton and Carrie Russell. Interesting. Uh, no. Taylor Swift and Ashley, whoever Ashley is. Oh, she's a TikToker. <gasps> this is not celebrities. These people are not celebrities. Ashley the TikToker. Oh, we should try to get her on the show. Ashley the TikToker, yes. Um, yeah, weird. Anyways, <laughs> uh, Amy Adams and Isla Fisher. Uh, not so much anymore. I think mainly because they have red hair. Yeah, like, yeah, all redheads look the same. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Keanu Reeves and Chris Klein. Uh, that I could see. I, that I could see. Like, if Keanu Reeves were a few years younger or Chris Klein was just a few years older. Yeah, I could see that, honestly. Yeah, Natalie Portman and Kara Knightley is on here. Beyonce and Brittany Williams. I don't know who Brittany Williams is. Probably somebody that Beyonce doesn't even know. <laughs> Williams is a Detroit resident whose net worth is unknown. <laughs> that we're comparing celebrities here. It's just a, a resident of Detroit. Congratulations, <laughs> so Robert. Stupid. I'm declaring you and I celebrities now, since anybody oh, can be I, a celebrity. Apparently, we are celebrities. Tom Cruise and Mark Harmon? What? Oh, wow. When Mark Harmon was young, he did kind of look like Tom Cruise. Interesting. Ah, oh, interesting. Okay. Hmm. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's dumb. 
I'm sorry I looked that up. <laughs> That's okay. It made for that some was good a banter. Horrible, horrible. <laughs> I guess. Well, you know, that was I, I, since we are now celebrities, maybe we'll make the list Apparently, someday. Yes. You know, I'm a I'm a resident of San Antonio, so I must be a celebrity. Yes, and I'm a resident of Wilmington, and uh, my net worth is nobody's business. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't think I have a celebrity doppelganger, but I have been told by countless people that I have like that I sound like somebody. Um Josh Gates from I think the Discovery Channel, he does like a bunch of travel shows and I looked up I looked him up. I actually follow him on TikTok. Yeah, I am on TikTok. Um I followed him on TikTok and I listened to his videos and I actually hear it. I, I we do sound very very similar. And I've been told by several people. So that's my celebrity nice. doppel voice ganger. Um, moving on, the next person on the list, Sam. So actually, <laughs> oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. This is kind of this is kind of funny. So years ago, when I was a lot skinnier, um, I was at a bar here in San Antonio, and uh, I was sitting there. They had a couch. It was kind of a nightclubish type place. Not really my scene, but. I was yeah, there with the girl, awful. and she was dancing, so I was sitting there on the couch, and this guy comes up to me, and I, uh, they made me take off my hat when I went in, and I'm bald head, so I'm sitting there on the couch, and uh, this guy comes up to me. He goes, are you Daughtry? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm sorry. no. He goes, I think you are. I'm like, dude, I'm not Daughtry. He goes, are you sure? <laughs> I'm like, I'm not Daughtry. <laughs> and so he walks away, and then I'm sitting there, and he comes back with his friend. Dude, check it out. It's Daughtry. <laughs> and I was like, all right. Uh, why didn't you break out into song? Come on, Daughtry. Right? You, wait, wait, wait. Over. I, I do have a very serious question, though. Are you Daughtry, uh, and have you just been lying to us all these years? The whole time. Damn. I'm an American Idol. Damn. Married, not married, related to a singer, and I never knew. Mm. <laughs> Rude. Uh, all right, Daughtry, moving on. We've got Sam Neal next on the list playing uh, Dr. Weir. Uh, Sam Neal, he, uh, we just talked, like he talked about, he's been in the MCU and the Thor movies, uh, Jurassic Park, which we uh, just spent some time talking about uh, back in our uh, watch section. Uh, he's been in a, he's been in a bunch bunch of things know that yeah 150 credits a ton and a lot of it you know i don't recognize because a lot of it is done like with the bbc and stuff like that but did you know or not did you know uh have you ever seen that movie he did with ethan hawk about the vampires no wait what's it called day something it sounds familiar I can't. Well, I don't know if I've seen it. I didn't write it down, I I, and it uh, just like came to my brain. I can find it. Hold on. Like daybreaker. Daybreaker. Day. Day Walker. See, yeah, that movie sounds familiar. Like I've, I have seen it, or seen of it, or something of it. Um, when did it come out? Day. Day. Daybreakers. Oh, I was so close. Daybreakers. Uh, it came out in two thousand nine. 2009? Yeah. They're just daybreakers. Yeah, they've oh, transformed no. almost every human into vampires. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's fun. 
Yeah, in the year 2019, a plague has transformed almost every human into vampires. Oh my gosh. It's on HBO Max. Give it a shot. Um, 2019. Actually, that's I'm thinking about watching that Elvis movie tonight. Oh, oh, that's that was the question I it's had. On what HBO did I ask you? Yes, if Plus. you had seen it yet. Oh. No. Not okay. Happened. Obviously, I haven't, or else I would have listed. No, oh. I, I would have listed it. But oh, yeah, uh, yeah. somebody I worked with today was talking about it. He watched it last night, and he said that it was not a great movie. And I'm just like, oh, I've heard uh, so many great things about it. Why you have to tell me that it. before I watch it? Well, I told I him it was like I've heard, heard great things about it. About actually, it. Oh, well, I haven't heard crap. Well, in my in my humble opinion, like Elvis's daughter gave it a glowing review saying, you know, it was a very well done movie. And I was like, well, if somebody who obviously knew the subject material says that it was a well done movie, I'm going to kind of trust that. Yeah. Unless she was paid off. Who knows? Maybe she <laughs> needs the money. I don't know. Uh, Sam Neill. Sam Neill. So he's been in, a, again, a bunch of different stuff uh, all throughout the Jurassic Park series. He made appearances in the first one, the third one, and now in uh, Jurassic World Dominion. I think he is tied with, uh, no, he's not tied. Jeff Goldblum has the most appearances yeah, out of the Jeff entire Goldblum. franchise. I forgot. He made that brief appearance in the last, the one before Dominion. Um, yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he did. He did. He was uh he was giving the testimony. He was right? at the at the court, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um anyway, so yeah, Sam Neill. What do you got on Sam Neill, if you have anything? Uh he was actually one of the original candidates for the fourth and fifth actor to portray James Bond. Which is actually when I was writing this down, when I saw that, that's what got me on the whole Henry Cavill thing. And I wrote that in my notes and ah. all that stuff. And yeah. Cool. Um, but yeah, so I mean, um, they end up going to Timothy Dalton and Pierce Brosnan instead. And he was actually considered for Indiana Jones. Hmm. I don't know how I feel about that. Like, I like Harrison Ford. They don't wanted Tom wrong. Selleck. I don't think Tom Selleck would have done good. No, no. No, Harrison Ford brought something to the role. He brought that, you know, oh yeah, sarcastic charisma to the role and stuff like that. And I don't even think Sam Neill would have captured, but I still think yeah. Sam Neill would have brought something to I, it. Yeah, he he would have he would have done better than uh than Tom Selleck. Yeah, people would have just gotten too uh too distracted by the mustache. <laughs> Indiana nice. Jones. Well, he in turned the case he of the bushy down, mustache. Uh, he turned down um. Indiana Jones to do Magnum P.I. So that's why it went to Harrison Ford. Well, thank God for that. That worked out for everybody. So, Anyways, he was also considered for uh, Alan Rickman's roles in two different movies. Oh. Die Hard and Prince of Th and Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Oh, no. No. Those, why those... a spoon? Because it would hurt more, you twit. <laughs> I... I can't imagine those roles without Alan Rickman in them. Sorry. Alan Rickman is what makes that movie. Both the, well, not both those movies. He's what makes the Robin Hood movie because God knows Kevin Costner does. Oh, yeah. Definitely. No, Morgan Freeman was good, but. Oh, yeah, of course. He was in Memoirs of an Invisible Man. I don't remember that. Morgan Freeman? No. Sam oh. Neill. <laughs> oh. 
I'm digging further into his uh, resume than I did earlier. I don't remember him being in that movie at all. Huh. I remember him in The Hunt for Red October. Mm Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I don't recognize anything before that, so. Yeah. Cool. Sam Neill. All right, moving on. We've got Kathleen Quinlan. She's been in our Apollo 13 talk, so we've already done our uh, our little uh, review of Kathleen Quinlan. Do you have anything to add? Nope. Nope. All right. Next That's up the on the two things I know her from is Apollo 13 and Event Horizon. She was in a wonderful little family film called Zeus and Roxanne about the dog and the Ooh. you know dolphin. No, you don't remember don't watching that when we were younger? <laughs> no. Uh. Uh-uh. Okay. Not uh, even a little bit. Not even a little bit. <clears throat> Next up on the list, I got Jolie Richardson. She's also been in a bunch of wonderful things. Uh, yeah. The Patriot, such a fantastic Patriot. movie. She's good. I like. The, I love that movie. It's such a great movie. Uh, another person we're going to talk about here in a moment was also in that movie. Um, she's yep. uh, she was in a great show minus season three, Nip Tuck. Mm. I only watched the first season of that. It's worth watching. Season three goes off the deep end, and then when they move out to L.A., it's kind of like meh, but it's still okay. But I liked Nip Tuck. It was a good show. Mm. Um, <clears throat> I'm choking up over here. Goodness. Um, what else you got on Jolie Richardson? Nothing. Mm. Her sister, Natasha Richardson, was married to Liam Neeson before her unfortunate death during a... Uh, oh. During a skiing vacation. So, a little tidbit there. Next up on the list, Richard T. Jones playing the role of Cooper. I like Richard T. Jones in this movie. He cracks me up. Yeah, I do too. Um, Spoiler warning. He's my favorite actor in this movie. What? He's mine too. Nice! Look at that. Um... He was also on a show that I will never forgive Netflix for canceling, and uh, that is uh, the uh, Santa Clarita Diet. Santa was, Clarita Diet, yeah. Yes, he was the neighbor. I like that show. It was a good show. It was, it was a, a funny show. It was a great show. Netflix, why did you cancel it? Why? Because they're dumb. Because it was funny? Because uh, they're dumb. It's hard to find good 30-minute humor nowadays when everybody wants dumb. to be like hour-long dramas. By the way, speaking yeah. of 30-minute humor on Netflix, I, I didn't add this to the list because it just popped into my brain. I watched one episode of a show last night called Murderville on Netflix. Oh? It has... Um, oh, that's with Will Arnett, right? Yeah, Will Arnett, and he has a different celebrity like guest detective every episode, and they don't get a script, so they have to feed off of everything that everyone else is doing around them, and then they have to guess who committed the murder. I only watched the episode with really? Conan O'Brien, and I, fun. I was laughing hysterically. They All only right, did I'm six like, episodes. That on. Oh, I could knock that out tonight. Yeah, it was. I was laughing. Karen was even laughing hysterically. It was. It was so nice. much fun to watch. Uh, the next one up on our list is um, uh, the next one. The next episode of that uh, show to watch is uh, Marshawn Lynch is the uh, guest detective, and he looks just Marshawn cra- Lynch. Yeah, he looks just <laughs> as crazy on the show as he does in real life, and uh, I can't wait for nice. that. Um, 
and they've got people like Ken Jong and things like that. So it, it's really, really funny. I highly recommend it. So I need to. So I'm adding that to the list of things that everybody should be watching. <clears throat> uh, the other per- uh, next up on my list is Jack Noseworthy, who plays the uh, baby bear. In Noseworthy. This movie. That's a funny name. It is. It's a. It's an unfortunate name. Noseworthy. Like, <laughs> Noseworthy. Noseworthy. Um, Noseworthy. I really don't know him from anything at all. Um, no. Looking through he was his, in Alive. Like, I remember that movie. Yeah, but I don't remember him in it. And he was also an Encino man. I don't remember anybody in it. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Want you know some grindage? <laughs> Dumb movie. You don't like Encino man? <laughs> no. I like Encino man. No, I I. I just I, I don't normally get into that kind of crazy humor. Like Son in Law, I t- I like, but Encino Man, I like eh. Son in Law. Son in Law is a great movie. Always makes you. It's always good for a laugh. He was also in the the Brady Bunch movie. Oh yeah, not Polly Shore, uh, Jack Noseworthy, and he was in a yeah, submarine movie U five seven one. Did you ever watch that? I don't think I ever did. That, I was Nicholas Cage in that. Nicholas Cage is in everything. Yeah. <laughs> like Samuel L. Jackson? He's in, he's even in a movie about himself. Uh, you know what? If that doesn't win him another Oscar, I don't know what will. Um, oh, Bill Paxton, Matthew McConaughey, Ivy Cartel. Yeah, it's like... John it, Bon Jovi. I've sli- I haven't seen the movie in years. I do remember going to see it at the theater when I worked at the movie theater. That I do remember. Mm. Um... But yeah, that's all I got on Jack Noseworthy. The next person up on the list, Jason Isaacs. So Jason Isaacs, uh, this is the person we were referring to earlier when we were talking about the Patriot. He played uh, the Colonel in the Patriot, one of the absolute greatest villains on yes. screen. Wonderful, of course. So you know, satisfying when he finally died. Yes, yes, he deserved it. He was just he was evil. He was pure evil, and it was brilliant. Um, and of course, most people nowadays would remember him from the uh, Harry Potter franchise as playing uh, Lucius Malfoy. Yep. He was also in Armageddon, Malfoy. so we've already talked about him. Yeah. Technically, he was the the scientist dude or the smart dude. Like, the put a advisor. firecracker in the palm of your hand, and it explodes. What happens? Burns your hand. But if you close your fist around the firecracker and it explodes, what happens? Your wife's going to be opening your ketchup bottles for the rest of your life. <laughs> Thank you. I couldn't remember the rest of the line. I'm so glad you were there to help me. <laughs> so, yes, Jason Isaacs, do you have anything new to add about uh, Dear Jason? No, I like him, though. He is. He's such a great actor. Uh, he was, oh, he was in another movie that I did with um, uh, The Cure for Wellness. Oh, he I still have doctor. to watch that. I oh my god! So I could watch it and listen to y'all's podcast on it. I've still never watched it. You need to watch it. It it is, it's a good movie. I was pleasantly surprised about how much I actually did like this movie. It's very good. Cool. Um, Keegan uh, would also agree with that. He's the guy who did the podcast with me. He's the one who actually made the recommendation for that movie, and I'm so glad that we sat down and watched it. 
And then the last person on my list is Sean Pertwee, who played uh, Mr. Smith in this movie. The only reason I bring him up is that he's been in a bunch of stuff, but uh, most recently the thing I recognize him from is the Gotham uh, show that was on for a while. I watched the first season of that, and I really enjoyed it, and I just never picked it up after that, though. I think I move when I move places for some reason. You st- I forget about TV shows. Stop watching. And in fact, I, I have I have a list right now of TV shows either that I want to watch or am currently watching, so I don't forget when another season comes out. <laughs> Interesting. My th- yeah. my problem is that like I'll start a show and I'll get into it. I really will. And then something else comes up, and then I get into that. And I, I, it's like I have TV show ADD, and I can't concentrate on one for too long unless it's something that really like captivates me and holds my attention, and I want to keep watching it. You know, like The Boys. I did enjoy watching those first few episodes of The Boys, and I want to finish it. And one of these days, I'll get back to it. But I'm also watching all these other wonderful and brilliant shows that I absolutely love. So. That's my problem. I will start something, and it'll take me a long well, time to get back to it. So, like, my problem is I, I'll watch a season of a show, and if I could watch it in, like, two days, and then another year goes by, and I forgot about the show, so I don't realize when the next season comes out, you know? Yeah. I've gotten to the point, especially after watching Game of Thrones the way I did, it's almost like I'd much rather... Just wait till the show is over, and then watch it. But then I'm, I'm glad I'm I did that with. Uh, I'm glad you? I did that with uh, Modern. I, I waited for Modern Family to finally end because everybody was talking about how good a show it is, and I waited for it to end, and then I just binged it all. And yeah, that show is hilarious. That show is great. I actually need to do a rewatch on that one because I did not see the final seat, like final two seasons. Oh yeah. Yeah, so the, the uh, same thing with, like, Big Bang Theory. You know, I, I was great up until, like, season seven, and then we stopped watching for some reason. And then I was just like, well, instead of going back and watching it now and trying to get caught up, I'll just wait for the show to end, and then I'll do a complete rewatch, and that's what I did, and I'm so happy I did. Did it that way. So, yeah, I'd like to do an actual Modern Family rewatch if I ever found the time amongst all the other shows that I'm watching. But... Yeah. Then there are shows like, you know, the House of the Dragon and the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power show where I don't want to wait several years for these shows to end to finally watch them. That's why I'm watching them yeah, one at a time. Exactly. You know, I understand. I understand the hype. I understand why all of the original Game of Thrones fans, you know, were so into it and looked forward to every week and every new season and stuff like that because it was such a compelling story. Again, I don't regret the way I ended up watching it, but it is enjoyable to have the anticipation of waiting week after week. It's it's like we're kids again back before they would release, you know, a whole season at a time and stuff like that. These weekly releases, yeah, it was getting a lot of flack from people, um even myself there at first, but then I'm just like, no, I actually enjoy watching it this way because having that anticipation for the next episode is so exciting and frustrating all at the same time. Word. Word. Anything else on Sean Pertwee? Nope. Fun name, by the way. Sean Pertwee. 
Uh, and then I don't have any other actors to talk about, but I do want to talk about Paul W.S. Anderson, the person who directed this film. So this is only his third motion picture that he ever directed. The first one is a little known film called Shopping that he did in 1994. Uh, I don't know anything about this film. Never even heard of it until I started researching him. But the film that came after that, Mortal Kombat, 1995's Mortal Kombat. Do you remember that movie? Oh, yeah, I have that movie. Yeah. Which do you think is better, the new Mortal Kombat or that Mortal Kombat? Probably the new one. I agree. No arguments there. He followed I like the, the old one, though. But I mean, the old one's fun. It's entertaining. But again, with the new one, we got a little bit, I guess, more of a... It was a different story. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, they're both good films in their own right. Uh, different story. 1997, he did Event Horizon. And then he did a film with Kurt Russell called Soldier. I've never actually seen that movie. I saw it a long time ago. I, is it like Universal Soldier? No? Yes? Maybe? I don't remember. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, and then, of course, in 2002, uh, launching... The Resident Evil franchise. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> I have tried watching Resident Evil several times. From beginning to end, I have watched it, I don't know, maybe like 10 times. I don't... People say they don't understand this movie. I don't understand Resident Evil at all. I don't. It's a pretty simple concept. <laughs> Maybe I'm just getting bored with it. I don't know. Uh, uh, like, I never played the video game back in the day. I think that was a PlayStation thing. I didn't have PlayStation. Yeah. I know people I, I, I hate PlayStation. Well, but, wow. Glad we're not huh? getting PlayStation to like sponsor us or something. Hey, PlayStation. <laughs> I don't like their controllers. I've always hated the controllers. Xbox so I've always is been better. A, I've always had yeah, Nintendo Xbox. Um. Oh, yeah. Definitely Nintendo. We play the hell out of our two Switches all the time. Um, so yeah, he re- launched the Resident Evil franchise. Uh, he did Alien vs. Predator in 2004. Uh, he did a fun movie in 2008 called Death Race. I like this movie. I think it's a fun movie to watch. It's not a great movie. It. You've never Jason seen Statham Di- in it? Right? Yeah. Yeah, I never saw it. Oh man, you need to see it sometime. It's actually fun. Um, he did, uh, I love this film, and people can judge me all they want, The Three Musketeers that he did in 2011. I love that. Never film. saw it. Oh, man, it's so good. And then uh, he finally, oh, and he did that movie Pompeii. Back in 2000. Never saw it. I never saw it either, but it has Kit Harrington in it. You know, Jon Snow. You know nothing, Snow. Uh, interesting tidbit here. All his movies on IMDb are rated, except for Death Race, and uh, the original, um, in the original Resident Evil and Event Horizon. So those are the only three that don't qualify for this. But every other movie he's ever done has less than a 6.0 rating. So people really don't like his films. Yet he keeps Apparently he actually turned down X-Men to do this movie. I'm okay with that. I know people, uh, I know Brian Singer is embroiled in a lot of like controversy and stuff like that, but 
I liked Brian Singer's interpretation of the X-Men. So I'm okay with that. I've got thoughts. We'll we'll get to oh. that one day. Oh, whenever we do our X-Men talk. I'm sure we'll have it eventually. I pretty I I can almost pretty much guess where you're gonna go with this. Um but hey, we'll save that for the X-Men talk. So like we talked about earlier, Cooper is our favorite actor or uh, character from this film. Uh, for me, the reason is because he is a comic relief of the film, and he does just what is needed to bring you out of that heavy content of science and horror. Um, and if I had to choose a second, and there is a very, very close second, I will choose Sam Neill for this one because I think he does evil very well. Yeah. Why is Cooper your favorite? Same reason. <laughs> We're making this easy. We're flying right through it. <laughs> again. I know I try to pick like times where we're like both like talking or something like that where I can sneak it in but I'm just like ah <laughs> whatever um alright well then this brings us to top scenes or sequences and if you don't mind I'll list uh mine off first or my first one off first okay cool so one of my favorite scenes is when the Lewis and Clark arrives at Neptune and they are looking for the event horizon. It's so cool that um, they are blind in the search except for using their equipment. So, you know, they can they're pinging it. They can see that it's coming up, but they they can't physically see it with their own eyes. And when it appears out of nowhere, it's such a visual metaphor for the story itself. So, I mean. The ship had essentially disappeared, and then through radio equipment and transmissions, it sends out a signal, and that signal is picked up, guiding the rescue. So again, sending a crew out there in the blind to go find something using just equipment, and then it appears suddenly just as mysterious as signal. It's kind of this whole like revolving cylindrical thing idea where it was... I've lost my train of thought. It's a visual metaphor, guys. It's a visual metaphor <laughs> for the entire story. That's my favorite. Nice. That's one of my favorite scenes. What do you got? Uh, yeah, the whole ending sequence with everybody dying and then uh, Sam Neill doesn't have his eyes anymore. And uh, I, I like that. That's probably what I like the most, I guess. It's grotesque. It's creepy. It it's is wonderful. It's uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably that's part of why I like it. <laughs> hey, it's good reason. It's good reason. It, I mean, it makes it intriguing. Um, yeah. I like the meat grinder. Any scene with the meat grinder is worth loving. So I'm referring to the tunnel that so, leads into that chamber where the gravity drive is crept kept because that meat grinder was actually the inspiration for the chompers in galaxy quest really yeah huh the director likes this movie and used it as what was his reasoning for the chompers in galaxy quest yeah okay well that's cool good to know good call back to uh one of our previous episodes there um but yeah, no, this uh, it's such a funhouse experience looking type situation. Something that like you would find at Universal's Halloween Horror Nights. You know, it's visually stunning, but ultimately terrifying. It, 
Why did they have to make it look like that, though? I don't know. That is kind of weird. Like, I know he explains the science behind that particular chamber, but, like, why did it have to look... Well, yeah, but you, you like don't it need would to have shred that you a bit. into it. It's, yeah, it's weird. It is very... It's very weird, and I think that, again, just plays into the whole creepy factor, like, what the... Why? Why this? Why? Ah. Anyway. What else you got? That's all that I had. Nice. I got two more. <laughs> uh, I... I, I really want to do, like, the thing where, you know, the whole movie. But, obviously, I can't. Um, another great scene, which is aligned <laughs> with the first one that I offered up, is when the Lewis and Clark arrives and looks over the event horizon. This kind of actually goes along with uh, what you were talking about during the mystery question. You know, that whole look over of the event horizon. The ship is massive. I like the obligatory sci-fi storytelling uh, feature of giving us detailed views of spacecraft so yeah again kind of go along with that mystery question that you came up with you know i i love a good spacecraft in sci-fi movies and this one is a very interesting one uh fun tidbit i don't know if you have this written down for your miscellaneous section but there's a tie fighter built into the set of the event i horizon. saw that i didn't write it down i don't think but i remember reading that yeah it's pretty cool. It's one of those blink-you-miss-it type things, but it's there. And then I got one more. Go for and it, Call me sick. No judgments here. I'm intrigued by the scrambled slash restored footage of what happened to the original crew of the Event Horizon. The uh, tidbits we got were very grotesque and terrifying to watch, but oddly intriguing. And it makes me wonder more about it. So this footage was originally shot and put into the first cut of the film, and the studio said, no, get rid of it. You don't need it. It was very, very disturbing footage, apparently. So they ended up cutting it, and the original footage was sent away to somewhere. I think like a salt mine in Tasmania, where it didn't survive apparently quote unquote this is based off of everything that i was reading about over the last several days um so good luck finding the original footage that was shot for this uh yeah i read about all that too yeah uh it was apparently there's a vhs tape available somewhere like one of the directors has it um but they keep saying about how like oh you know i can't gotta pull out a vhs player and blah 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 um, and they doubt that they'll ever be there. There will ever be a director's cut of this film because of the fact that a lot of the what got cut no longer exists in physical form. So I just I don't know why I want to see it, but I want to. It's like one of those things where like you don't want to watch it, but you want to watch it. I mean, if we could sit through the Saw franchise, I'm pretty sure we can sit through about 10 minutes like of whatever this is. I like the Saw franchise too. The only one that really bothers me is number two because that pit of needles makes me want to cry. Yeah. Oh, oh. Every single time. Yeah. So I, I looked up, going back to our mystery question. Yes. I like the top spaceships from movies. This has them ranked 
which their ranking is stupid because they have the Millennium Falcon as number 10. Oh, stop. So, yeah. But anyways, and then they have number nine is the Eagle 5 from Spaceballs, the Winnebago. <laughs> okay. Number eight is the Enterprise. I was like, how is that number eight? That should be like one or two. I agree. And then seven is the Milano from Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, cool. Six is the USCSS Nostromo from Alien. Why? Well, yeah. I mean, why? That looked like four cone uh, heads put together. Uh, <laughs> nice. Number five is Serenity. Nice. From Firefly. Number four is Discovery One from 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yeah. Uh, number three is Endurance from Interstellar. Ooh. That's number a good one. two are is Star Destroyers from Star Wars. Really? And number one is the UFOs from Independence Day. I was and really like hoping you were wide. Huh? I was really hoping you were gonna say the UFOs from Mars attacks. Oh, nice. <laughs> and see, I actually like this one too. I like the Cleon ship that they used in Star Trek Four. Oh yeah, the bird of prey. Yeah. Yeah. That one's pretty cool. I like that. This one, ha- this one doesn't have ranked, but it says the top 23 best movie and TV spaceships. So it's got the Bird of Prey on there. Max from Flight of the Navigator. <gasps> yeah. Uh, Martian Flying Saucer, Mars Attacks. Heck yeah. Um, the Borg Cube, Star Trek. It's just a square, but okay. Yeah. The Death Star. That. I hope that, that ranks higher than the Death Planet. This is, these aren't ranked, they're just on here. Oh, okay. Um, or Starkiller base. Heart of Gold, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, gosh, I haven't seen that in forever. I uh, don't even Klingon remember Bird that. of Prey, we just talked about that. The Milano again. Uh, USS Enterprise. The Space Cruiser from Rick and Morty. Nice. <laughs> uh, Thunderbird 3 from Thunderbirds. Ooh, Discovery classic. 1. Space Odyssey, huh? As, oh, the Thunderbird 3, classic. Oh, yeah. Um, Moya from Farscape. Don't know what that is. Uh, oh, the, the TARDIS from Doctor Who. That little phone Can that really be a spaceship? I don't know. The Dark Aster from Guardians of the Galaxy. The one that Ronan was in. Oh yeah, that one was pretty. Yeah, that's, that's weird. pretty cool. Yeah, so it's a weird ship. It is. But, uh, Serenity from Firefly, Apollo thirteen, uh, Planet Express from Futurama. Prawn Mothership from District Nine. I can't uh, Starbug from Red Dwarf. Never seen it. Uh, the Razor Crest from Mandalorian. Ah, uh, yes. The Gunkster from The Last Starfighter. They're making this stuff up. <laughs> the, the Ranger from Interstellar. Uh, and that's it. Huh. Anywho. Anywho. Yeah. A lot of a little detour spaceships. back to the beginning of the show. <laughs> and then let's bring it back to where we are now so this brings us to quotes in the movie are there any 
memorable quotes that you wish to highlight? Uh, you could go first. Okay, I'll go first. So, there's the scene. So, it's funny that I I actually picked this as my first quote that I would like to talk about is because uh, I was playing, I was doing the crossword puzzle with my coworker today, and one of the clues had to deal with Latin. I was like, well, Latin is not one of my strong suits. So, but this first quote here has to deal with Latin. So the characters are Jason Isaac's uh, character of DJ talking to Captain Miller, played by Lawrence Fishburne. So DJ says, I wasn't going to tell you this. I've been listening to the distress signal and I um, think that I made a mistake in the translation. I thought it said liberate me, which is save me, but it's not me. It's liberate tutume or tutume, which is save yourself. And it gets worse. There, I think they said ex infieris. Save yourself from hell. Look, if whatever Dr. Weir tells us is true, this ship has been beyond the boundaries of our universe of known scientific reality. Who knows where it's been and what it's seen or, for, or what it's brought back with it? Captain Miller says, from hell. You don't believe in that kind of stuff, do you? And DJ says, whoever sent that message, he sure believed in hell. So this is a that's a long quote I understand and the thing I think I want to take away from that is again I don't have a whole lot of um latin background or understanding but there are a few latin phrases that I've you know learned throughout life and because of this movie I always think of liberate me which is save me and that's my that's my latin cool <laughs> long story short um i got a couple on here that i wrote uh when miller looks at wearing says oh my god what happened to your eyes where we're going we don't need eyes to see what are you talking about i created the event horizon to reach the stars but she's gone much much further than that she tore a hole in our universe a gateway to another dimension a dimension of pure chaos pure evil when she crossed over she was just a ship, but when she came back, she was alive. Look at her, Miller. Isn't she beautiful? Your beautiful ship killed the cr- its crew, Doctor. Well, now she has another crew. Now she has us. I kind of got a Doctor Emmett Brown vibe from that whole thing. Where we're going, oh, we yeah. don't need roads. <laughs> nice. Which is funnily well, enough going, that he put something eyes. Yeah, like he put something <laughs> blinding over his eye, like that kind of blinds his eyes. And I guess you know, I guess he can see through the goggles and Back to the Future. But you know, yeah, where we don't, where we're going, we don't need eyes. Somebody's been watching Back to the Future a little too much. Just saying. Kind of creepy oh, though. I like he's he's calling the ship alive. Yeah. There's actually a fun little tidbit about that. Uh, I'll bring that up during the miscellaneous part. Um, the next thing I, on my list is, again, I like the science aspect of a science fiction story. So I like it when he's got the whole crew gathered and he's trying to explain exactly what the ship does. And he goes on to say, so Dr. Weir goes on to say, the ship doesn't really go faster than light. What it does is it creates a dimensional gateway that allows it to jump instantaneously from one point in the universe to another, which is light years away. 
and the you know they all want to know how and he's like well that's difficult to explain it's all math and captain's like all right try us doctor he says right well uh using layman's terms Use a rotating magnetic field to focus a narrow beam of gravitrons. These in turn fold space and time consistent with the whale tensor dynamics until the space-time curvature becomes infinitely large and you produce a singularity. Now the singularity, and then he's cut off by saying, layman's terms? And Cooper comes in with, well, fuck layman's terms. Do you speak English? (laughs) I actually had that written down as my next one. Oh, nice. Um... When uh, Miller's introducing everybody to Weir, um, the funky spaceman over there is Mr. Cooper. What exactly is he doing on board this ship, Coop? <laughs> Listen up, Doc. I'm your best friend, okay? I'm the lifesaver and the heartbreaker. Miller, he's a rescue technician. <laughs> I love it, too. He's just, he's so funny. It's great. Um, this isn't so much a quote. I kind of wanted to bring this up, though, uh, because it's uh, it's what you see at the beginning of the film when they're talking, uh, establishing what's happening in the storyline, you know, um, the timeline. So the very first thing that pops up is 2015, the year 2015, the first permanent colony is established on the moon. Yeah, uh, We're about seven years behind. Uh, we need to catch up. Title card, 2032, commercial mining begins on Mars. We haven't even gotten to the moon yet, so I don't think we're going to hit that goal. 2040, Deep Space Research Vessel Event Horizon is launched to explore the boundaries of the solar system. She disappears without a trace beyond the eighth planet, Neptune. It is the worst space disaster on record. So I'm not hoping that something like that happens in 2040, but at the rate we're going, we're probably not going to see that till about 3040. Let's just be honest. Yeah. I mean... We can't even launch Artemis because they're having issues, and Artemis know, right? is supposed to be. A friend of mine, f- yeah. Go ahead. Um, a friend of mine actually went to Florida to go watch it, and of course, didn't happen. Oh, that sucks. Um, and well, she well, like she she used to work for NASA, um, oh. interned for NASA, uh, so she like got like was like right there. But um, from what she said, I think they're gonna try again. The next the next try date is like. October 17th. Yeah. Something like that. It's but I mean, we can't, we can't, we, we, we can't even successfully, I mean, I, I get the, their safety protocols here, but we can't even successfully launch the first test mission of Artemis, yeah. you know, and when that's supposed to be what gets us to the moon again, and what's supposed to help uh, steamroll that whole idea of establishing bases on the moon and colonizing and then moving on to mars we we're here we are in 2022 and we can't even get there yet so science fiction had all these dreams for us and we just can't seem to make it a reality i mean what in back to the future 2 in 2015 we're supposed to all be having flying cars and look where we are (laughs) right that came and went we we don't have flying cars everybody's arguing about the electric cars you know god forbid we have flying cars yeah. Got anything? Whatevs. Um, I think I have a couple things written down. I see you said the layman's term one. The Miller at the end, he's like, "Vacate! I want you off this ship." And Doctor Wizall, you can't leave. She won't let you. You just get your gear and get back to the Lewis and Clark, Doctor, or you'll find yourself walking home. I thought that was kind of funny. I'm already home. I'm already home. And he disappears um, into black. Oh, and then like when at the beginning of the movie, I thought this was kind of dumb. 
But like Miller's like, Lieutenant, why are you not on the bridge? And she's like, she just got out of the sleeping tube. Like literally like, dude. <laughs> and she's like, do you mind if I get dressed first? And he's like, as a matter of fact, I do. I do mind if you get dressed first. I'm like, why are you being such a dick, dude? She literally just got out of the tube. Let her uh, like wake up. <laughs> I think there was something going on between them. Could have been. Especially with the way like when he tells her to like close the doors behind him, like seal off the bridge and stuff like that, you know, and she's just like, she's hesitant to do it. They share this look, this look, there was something going on there. There was a little, a little hanky panky. Um, speaking of which the next line is very apropos to this. So when Cooper is talking to Stark, he goes, Stark, would you like something hot and black inside you? And (laughs) she gives him the finger and he goes, Ooh, is that an offer? And she goes, It is not. And he's like, Okay, well, then how about some coffee then? Ah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. I think that's all I got. That's all I got for uh, quotes. So, any plot holes, movie mistakes, nitpicks that you want to talk about? Um, I just put the CGI did not age well at all. Like the stuff floating around in the ship at the beginning. Oh yeah. It was horrible. <laughs> well, not not only did the CGI in that it's interesting you bring that part up. Uh the CGI there definitely did not hold up. But, you know, they talk about when they first get onto the event horizon how the ship is in a deep freeze. Yet one of the things we see floating around in that horrible CGI is a water bottle with water mm-hmm. slushing around in it. It would be yeah. frozen, right? Yeah. You would think. You would think. No, yeah, the whole CGI is really terrible, though. You could definitely tell at some points they kind of like, uh, I don't know if we have the budget for this, but we got to make this happen. And I think that was probably one of those. But it was stated the art for its time. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and as far as any other plot holes, movie mistakes, and nitpicks, I mean, you can always tear apart any science fiction film and just start tearing apart the science. You know, like, no. I guess, in all theory, the the gravity drive that they're talking about and what's going to happen, how it would work, technically doesn't work outside of theory. Um, but, uh, it's a science fiction film where we're talking about a ship being alive. So I, I wouldn't put too much stock in it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So let's rate this movie. What would you rate this movie? Uh, seven. That's fair. Since you really don't like this movie too, too. Uh, it's not, not that I don't like the movie. It's just. Not a go-to for me, I guess. It's an alright movie. I know it's your favorite movie, but... It's one of them. Yeah. One of them. <laughs> I give it a 9. I, I do. I just... I, I like this movie so much. There's very little about it that I would complain about. There's very little that I find wrong with it. Um, It's just... It's... It's a good movie. It's a fun movie for me to watch. And, you know, it's one of those ones I can have on in the background and I can still get all sorts of enjoyment on it, even if I'm not giving it 100% of my attention. So I recommend 
this movie to people, especially if you um you like sci-fi and you like horror, you're gonna get a nice little blend of uh both of those in this. So this is your section, cool. Robert. What miscellaneous oh. thoughts do we have? Uh let's see. And the director's initial cut of the film was runtime was 130 minutes. And it was so violent that both test audiences and studio balked at the finished product. Paramount ordered him to cut the film by 30 minutes and tone down the violence. Anderson said he didn't have enough time to properly re-edit and believes he cut out 10 minutes too much. I wonder what 10 minutes he's worried about. I don't know. Around the five-minute mark, the rotational shot of the space station over Earth took nearly a third of the film's visual effects budget. But it's so pretty to look at. (laughs) Due to the weight of the suit, which we kind of mentioned earlier, uh, standing upright and then for long periods could lead to back injury, but sitting down was not possible either due to the backpack. Special hanging poles were constructed on the set so the actors could rest on them in between takes. Nice. Uh, Although the film was met with mostly negative reviews and disappointing box office results at the time of its release, it amassed a considerable cult following over the years. The director said that the movie's cult status was predicted to him years before by Kurt Russell. Uh, Anderson screened Event Horizon before they started work on Soldier, and Russell said, forget about what the movie's doing now. In 15 years, this is going to be a movie that you're glad you made. Good on Kurt Russell. Yeah, he likes it. Um, Philip Esner wrote the movie after a, tra- a family tragedy. He had recently entered a multi-picture writing agreement, and in the effort to force himself to get back to work, he pitched the idea of The Shining in Space. To the studio, <laughs> and you know what? As I was listening to the soundtrack or the, I guess the, um, the score, you could kind of hear a little shining in it. It, yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot of elements about the shining. Uh, you know, being isolated, being isolated in space, being isolated at a hotel. One of your main characters, like going crazy because the hotel speaking to him, the the spaceship speaking to him. The amounts of blood that are just like pouring out. Every, uh, yeah, there's a lot of correlation. It is the shining in space. Yeah. So he pitched the idea for the shining in space to the studio, which was very receptive. Unfortunately, he had no detailed treatment yet. And the subject matter blended with his emotional state to inspire a prolonged bout of writer's block. The mm. studio executive who had originally bought, brought him on board, now a personal friend, helped keep Eisner on track, and eventually the first draft was enthusiastically received. From green, lit, green light to completion, the film took 10 months, an unusually short amount of time for such a complex and effects-driven film. Hmm. And I should have more on that, on why it took 10 months in a minute. Uh... The Event Horizon was named... Oh, you already talked about this. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. We talked about that at the beginning. <laughs> so we'll skip that. Uh, the scene where Weir explains how to bend space and time in order to time or to travel huge interstellar distances is paraphrased in Interstellar. 
Romley uses the exact same uh, demonstration to illustrate his theory, folding a piece of paper and pushing a pin through it while explaining it to Cooper. I honestly have never caught that correlation, but now, yeah, yeah, it's sticking out in my brain. And Interstellar is another great film that I love. So back to what I was talking about earlier, the shot where Sam Neill stares out the window in which uh, then pulls back to reveal that he's on the deck of a spaceship orbiting Earth took the digital special effects house 10 weeks to achieve for a shot that lasted 45 seconds. Wow, there's uh, two and a half months of your 10-month shooting right there. So, back to the 10-month shooting, Paramount had originally planned to release Titanic in July 1997, but when the film was plagued by delays, and it had to be rescheduled for December 1997, this left Paramount with a gap in its summer movie schedule. So they offered Event Horizon to Paul, or the director, Paul Anderson, on the condition that the film be ready by August 1997 release. So that's why they rush it in 10 months. Hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Tommy Lee Jones, and Bruce Willis were all considered for the role of Captain Miller. I would like to travel to the parallel universe that Tommy Lee Jones is Captain Miller in this movie. I think it would be interesting. I can see Tommy Lee Jones doing it. Absolutely. It'd be fu- it'd be funny to see Arnold <laughs> in it. <laughs> Layman's terms, doctor. <laughs> nice. That's my best Arnold. Uh, the film with the gravity drive on fire. Oh wait, the film the I'm sorry, start that over. The filming of the gravity drive on fire a uh caused a real life fire that partly destroyed the set. A different set had to be built quickly while the old one's still being repaired. I bet that ate into their so, budget yeah. too. For his final scene, Sam Neill would show up to the studio at 3 a.m. that he could spend seven to eight hours in makeup. Oh, that was a lot of makeup he had to be in. Yeah. And last but not least, as of 2019, it was announced that a TV show adaptation was in the works. I think that's dead now. Yeah, I haven't heard anything since. Or and I'm okay with at that. At all, actually. But, yeah. So, and that's all I got. Nice. Nice. Well, then that brings us to a wrap on our Event Horizon discussion. I hope you all enjoyed it. A huge shout out to all of our wonderful listeners for joining us in on every episode. Y'all are amazing and we love you all. Our next episode is uh, yet to be planned. Shall we play a rousing game of Voodoo Roulette? Do it. Do it. Awesome. So let me pull up my number generator here. And I've got to figure out how many uh, titles we have on Voodoo because you've Dude, you've been lot. adding a bunch. Yeah, I need to stop buying movies. Nah, it's not. keep it going. <laughs> keep it going. It's giving us plenty of material. All right, let's see. So, nine hundred and thirty-five movies. Nine hundred and thirty. That's a lot of movies. That is quite a bit. All right, so nine hundred. So between one and nine hundred. And 35. Are we ready? Generate. God, why does it have to be 812? Goodness. 
Good night. Alright, so the scrolling begins. Why couldn't it be like in the tens? Sergeant Pilko could have been on this list. Ugh. 812. I'm in the 300s. You had mentioned Futurama earlier. Did you ever watch Futurama? No. Oh, it's such a great show. They're bringing it yeah. back. I'm so excited. It's going to be on Hulu. On the Hulu. All right, so here we are. 800, so that's 805. That's 8. Wait. I get confused by this sometimes. Um, <laughs> Did I do it too? Nope. All right. I got it. Okay. Got it. Yes. So we landed on Garden State. Really? Really? I like that movie. I've never seen it. Uh, all right. It's uh, Zach Braff's first uh, movie he wrote and directed. Well, then I guess we will be talking about Garden State on our next podcast, yeah, it's guys. A, it's, a indie, it's an indie film, so maybe a lot of y'all haven't seen it yet, but it's definitely a good movie to, to check out. Yeah. So uh, Zach Braff and Natalie Portman. I like Zach Braff. I like Natalie Portman. Um, so and one of the SAS guards. I think Peter. Yeah. Well, then that's going to be a fun movie, and it looks like it's got a pretty high rating, so... Yeah. Hey. Alright, so we're going to be talking Garden State on our next episode, guys, so join us then, and uh, can't wait to... I, I'm excited about this a movie I've never seen before, so this is going to be like Robert's time to shine. This is his movie. He he, <laughs> he knows this. Um, yeah, it's one of those movies I can just put on and, you know, do other things. And Yeah. Awesome. It's got a good soundtrack, too. Really good soundtrack. Ooh, I love a movie with a good soundtrack. Alright, well then it's settled, guys. So, join us next time for Garden State, and in the meantime, go out there, see all the movies, be safe, and uh, we'll see you next time when we go to the movies.